Hi, everybody. We have a really special guest with us today, Tennis Hellowell. And as crazy as things are in our dimension, in this third dimensional world, some would argue maybe get nudging toward the fourth dimension, um, there is a whole other world, whole other dimensions of beings called elementals who are here right alongside us and we're not even aware of them, but Tannis is. And we're going to talk about the nature of these beings, how they interact with humanity, what we have to learn from them and what they have to learn from us. So let's go to Tannis. Tennis, it's so good to see you. I've been looking forward to I was hoping to be meeting with you this summer. I started trying to reach you. You never got my communication. Reach you many months ago because I wanted to meet you in Britain to do this story live on the ground. But here we are. COVID has happened and it's now virtual. But welcome. Oh, thanks so much for having me, and I'm just really glad to be here in any form that we can be together. Indeed, and I would like to start out by finding a little bit, uh, finding out a little bit about your own childhood and the nature of your being, so people understand why you were able to connect with the elementals and they with you. So give us a little bit about your childhood, and we're going to get into some really profound stuff. We have hours we could talk about, but I think we need to touch on this one big thing today, uh, as well as the stories that happened in Ireland. So take it away on your childhood. Well, I thought that I was a normal child. I didn't know that anything was different about my perception until I was about six years old. And I was walking down the street with one of my young school friends, and I all of a sudden said what she was thinking, and I said, why are you saying this to me and thinking something else? And she was so absolutely shocked that I heard what she was thinking. And until then, I didn't realize that others didn't hear what others were thinking or see other realms. It had never dawned on me. And so I went home and I tried this on my parents. And I tried thinking one thing and saying another. And to my horror, I discovered that they couldn't tell the difference either. And that's when I learned at a very young age that uh, my perceptions were different. And I also had to learn at that very young age to look like everyone else, fit in as everyone else. And I developed my own system of ethics that I never listened or looked at someone more deeply than they wanted to be heard or seen. That's beautiful. And yeah. this allowed you then to be aware, I mean, even in a physical sense, to be able to see into other dimensions at some point along the way. When did your ability to see elementals and others begin? I think that a lot of children have this. And you know when people talk about, oh, my kids had these special friends and their names were Sarah and Sue and we used to have tea parties for them. And, uh, and these special friends are elementals. And the thing is that when kids are around seven or eight years old, a veil comes down. And this is a natural, organic process in our development. 
Um, and I think it's so that we'll start developing other parts of our character. Um, but when this veil comes down, children often forget that they even had those friends. And if by any chance they escape that closure, when puberty happens around 12, 13 years old, then they forget. Now, in my case, these veils never came down. So, um, and, and I think my job has been for decades now to help people to open up these veils again so that they can see and hear other realities. And we so want to. I mean, it's a magical realm that you're talking about. And most of us were exposed to this realm through Disney and, and movies like Peter Pan. And didn't everyone, didn't every little girl that see that want to be Tinkerbell? <laughs> or Peter Pan. Or Peter Pan. <laughs> I wanted to be Tinkerbell or Peter, <laughs> or Peter Pan. And so, I mean, I've always had this magical fascination with this realm, but I don't see them physically. I I tend to more feel um, beings and things around me. But let's go ahead and talk about, um, before we go to your meeting with Lloyd, uh, the leprechaun, I wanted to just ask something about right now because so many people are struggling with right now. Before we, before we start rolling the camera, we were talking about how this new COVID world where we're deprived of nature and one another to such a great extent um, is having detrimental effects on many levels on a lot of people. And I asked you if you could talk about how this is affecting the elementals in their world and what they might be doing to help us and ours and the whole notion of people being, I was in San Francisco and people were wearing masks on the street. I mean, not just in buildings, but just walking down the street. So this is cutting them off from even fresh air. So let's talk about this for a moment from your perspective. This is a really large topic. Um, a couple of things come to mind for me. Uh, one of them is that, uh, that nature itself all over the world is recovering. Um, the fact that we're, we're not flying planes and we're not Very polluting, true. whatever, um, we're not driving our cars so much. This is a, a really, it's a rest. It's a pause for nature. So that's the good news. And whenever we're talking about nature recovering, the elementals are happy. So in that way, they are very happy. Um, I think the, that we humans are moving with the, with the whole earth and with all other sentient beings to a higher frequency, a higher dimension. So before this happens, we're being put in a kind of a cocoon. And it's like the, the caterpillar. We've been caterpillars. We've been very greedy and we've eaten up our environment. We've destroyed our environment and now it's time to cocoon. And in this cocoon, which is our great pause, we're going to be transforming ourselves into butterflies. And butterflies for me are world servers. Um, people who are going to be guardians of the earth and as such will co-create with elementals 
um, a beautiful, healthy earth. So elementals are aware of this destiny. They, um, they want to partner with us. They have in the previous times. They're looking forward to it. And we're being put into this bubble so that we can transform our thoughts enough to be able to open up to other realities. And so elementals are fully in support of this. And um, they are chomping at the bit in a way, waiting for us, uh, waiting for us to, um, to be able to join them and to co-create with them. But they know that this is a necessary step. It's interesting you say that because it is true. We started seeing blue skies without a lot of chem and con trails above, misty, you know, misted over with chemicals. Uh, really, for the first time at, for any period of time, starting in February, March of this year. And you're right. I mean, the traffic is down. Consumption is down. All the ways in which humanity have distracted ourselves um, are have been severely limited. Even trying to go to Amazon and have your instant gratification isn't working because things aren't arriving as quickly. Um, everyone's having to, as you say, the great pause. And I agree. I agree. I think the, the problem that I'm now having some question about, and everyone has their own ideas and their own uh, notion of science regarding wearing masks, but enough has come out to know that if you're outdoors and you're breathing and walking and so forth, you should be able to breathe fresh air. So somewhere in this, nature has to be more deeply embraced in our lives in order for the depth of this transformation you're talking about to occur, I would assume. Yes, and um, we are going to have to unmask. Yes. We are, we, it, this is going to happen. Um, but this is part of humanity's um, first when we are confronted as, um, as humans, we go on the defensive. So masking for us, inoculations for us, um, is a kind of defense mechanism. It cannot be a long-term strategy. Um, and we're, but that's the place we're at right now. And we're going through a massive dark night of the soul. In fact, I, I've just finished writing this book about um, working with the body elemental and body consciousness. And in it, I've had to go into the dark night of the soul because this is the dark night of the soul for the entire world um, where we come to realize that we are not in control. We are not in control of, um, I'd have to say, universal consciousness, um, the source of all life, and, and our part in that. And, um, but we've, we're right now, in defense, still pretending that we are. And, um, and we're going to try all of these things before we realize we're not. Yeah. And when we realize we're not, we can go into a real depression 
children collectively. And then we will get to the final step, which is a deep surrender to the divine, to spirit, uh, to universal consciousness. And then I, I, we will really be able to work with, with the spiritual laws, which are the same as natural laws. They are no different. Indeed. And I love the way you put this. And I love the fact that you're smiling while you're talking about going into a deep collective depression. I'm <laughs> already there. <laughs> but I happen, to, I happen to agree with you. We can only put it off for so long. And, you know, people say, oh, my God, this is horrific. And I think, you know, if you listen to a lot of geolog geologists and historians and uh, archaeologists even, they talk about periods of mass extinction. They talk about pole shifts. They talk about complete annihilation of the human species over and over again. And I think COVID is so gentle a way to awaken compared to any of these catastrophes that could have happened. And we can argue about it all day and what it's done to our economy. And yes, these things will have to transform, reform. Our lives are going to change. But we were begging for it. We were so out of balance. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, we were. And um, it's interesting that uh, even things like the polar ice cap melting has now taken a, a back step um, yes. in relationship because we're thinking of us again, which is the ego. Yeah. And all of these little things, which are really large things, that have been, have been hits for the last couple of decades, we've been seeing collective hits, the eradication of species on the planet, the melting of the ice caps, COVID, and uh, the message will continue to be stepped up unless we um, recognize, and sometimes we need it to be stepped up. And I'm really not a doom and gloom person. I am incredibly optimistic about this. I'm with you. I feel the same way about it. We just have to wade through the mud until we can get this figured out and go into a higher space. Yeah, yeah. So we're, the but, same. We're, I, we're in agreement on that. Finish what you were saying, because pretty soon I want to get into Lloyd. Go back to 1945. <laughs> um, well, just, you know, people who are listening to this conversation, they may, may have been thinking, oh, God, I hoped I would escape this topic <laughs> if we only went to talk about elementals. Um, but this is also based on the thing that we can segment and our lives into different categories and some are happy categories and some are sad categories where the boundaries um, of everything are breaking down and I think of this is a very positive experience and because these these ways we boundary ourselves and separate ourselves into categories and black and white and good and bad um, everything that is happening on the earth now, I feel, is for a purpose. I agree. I agree. And um, I would imagine that Lloyd is agreeing too. So let's get to Lloyd. Yes. Let's talk about 1985. When you headed to Ireland, you were having your own personal dramas and traumas, and you were trying to, you were seeking enlightenment, and instead you met Lloyd. 
<laughs> which I That's right. Lloyd the leprechaun. <laughs> Lloyd the leprechaun. So let's let tell it give us set the stage for what happened uh, in the little town you went to and there was a fire burning and waiting in this little cottage for you. And uh, before long, Lloyd the leprechaun with a little paunch and a nice top hat and his family showed up. Well, as you said, I had uh, given up my my work in the world. I was uh, quite young, um, but I no longer wanted to um, deal with uh, worldly problems. So I was seeking enlightenment. And, you know, if you read all the books, it says you have to surrender your relationships and your jobs and everything to which you are attached. And then you're bound to become enlightened. So I believe that at, in the year early days. And off I went, having done all that, ended my relationship, and um, got to this cottage and, and walked in the front door, and it was dusk, and I was there for the summer to become enlightened. And um, and there was this leprechaun family uh, lined up in front of me, these small people, uh, the male, a female, and two children. And at first I thought, even though I see these things, I thought, this can't be happening. This isn't part of my program. This <laughs> and, and then um, he said that they had occupied the... The, the cottage for over a hundred years. They live much longer than we do. And, um, and that they were waiting uh, for me, for someone who could see and talk to them. And he was going to teach me all about elementals. And um, I was going to have to write a book in 10 years about the experience because people were not ready to hear about this at that time. And um, so the next day I went down to the village and uh, I walked into the one shop and said to the, um, the man there, you know, I'd like to buy this and this and this. And he said, oh, are you a holiday maker? That's what they call vacationers. I said, well, I've actually rented the Douglas Cottage. Oh, the Douglas Cottage. Did you not know it's haunted? <laughs> oh, uh, haunted by what? Because there's no way I'm going to say I know anything. And he right. says, oh, haunted by the little people. He said, in fact, you're living on a whole haunted lane. The, <laughs> the, the locals don't even go down that lane at night. <laughs> so this was my introduction to my enlightenment but summer. <laughs> and uh, so, yes, it was, it changed my life is the best way to put it. He went about telling me right away that he was there and he was the chief of the clan and that he was there to start teaching you <laughs> about That's a thing right. or two. And you were to make him porridge and uh, serve him mead and honey and milk and all this, and he would be teaching you a thing or two. That's right. <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about the primary lessons that he said their kingdom. I, I was very interested to learn that they, he, 
they don't have individuated soul slash will in the way that humans have and that they're working toward that yet they have the ability to manifest seemingly out of thin air in their dimension very easily so we we admire that and wish we had more of those manifestation abilities but the way they say it the humans are the creator species launch into what he meant by both of those things and what the kingdoms are learning from one another. Whoa. <laughs> well, for example, <clears throat> humans have free will. That is what we have. So we're beings of free will, and that is what it takes to become a full creator. You could say we're kindergarten gods. Um, and elementals are beings of joy, joy and uh, and spontaneity. And we were originally meant to work in partnership, that humans would see the earth and say, oh, this would make a more beautiful earth, and then elementals would, would manifest it in the physical dimension. Because elementals um, create everything on the earth. They create create the the trees and the minerals and the water there's there's elementals that create everything so we have to work in consciousness with elementals if we're going to become full creators if humans are so um when people say well how come i can't see them it's because they live in a, a, a higher dimension, a higher frequency than we do. And they're, they're living in the same frequency that the angels live in, uh, that dragons live in, that other beings live in. And, and these are all beings in our myths and I remember when Time Magazine did, uh, did something on how many people believe in angels, and it turned out to be the majority of people believe in angels. And, and um, so it's the same kind of thing with elementals. Um, so, so what Lloyd was wanting me to do was to teach people about the importance of elementals. Um, really, that, um, that we have to work with them to be able to have a beautiful earth. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. Yes, and he was saying that they in turn, he not all of them, but some of them would like to learn how to master the notion of our kind of intense focus and will, because they tend to live more in the moment and manifest so spontaneously. What would be the point? If they can already do that within their dimension, what would be the point of learning our kind of focus and will? How would it benefit his reality? so that they could become full creators as well. So Lloyd is um, a part of a group which has only been formed now about 120 years ago. And this group uh, are made up of elves 
and gnomes and trolls and all kinds of elementals from around the world that want to part partner with humans. So they don't want to just be the passive receiver of a human message so that they have to create what the human is thinking about. They actually want to co-create with humans. And I found in working with uh, Lloyd over these decades now that he is becoming more dense. So as elementals evolve, they are able to become more physical. Um, where we, when we evolve, become lighter. This is why when they did pictures in the Middle Ages of, uh, of saints, they were always full of fire uh, because we evolve and we become lighter. Is this a sacrifice for him to have to become more dense? Does it put him out of sync with his own world? It, it doesn't really. Um, it is a sacrifice of joy in a way. Um, and he has now got the human uh, disease of responsibility. <laughs> Which takes away some of the playfulness? I hope not. <laughs> well, a tiny bit. Um, he's lost a tiny bit of playfulness and is maybe more serious, but leprechauns are anyway. And le leprechauns in their world, because um, elementals be belong to their own groups. They don't normally work together like uh, humans do. Um, they, they belong to, like, leprechauns hang out with leprechauns. And elves hang out elves with Elves hang out with elves. And this, yeah. <laughs> and they don't intermarry or interbreed or whatever you want to call it. So this group that he's belonging with is quite different because they are all learning how to work together. And um, so it, it, it creates um, a, a much more div diversity, but they have to learn responsibility. And they're developing their mental body. Oh, humans uh, have quite a strong mental body, and humans can overpower elementals just by our thoughts. Uh, we are not aware of how our thoughts actually are manifesting in the world continually. I'm sure that you and a lot of your people have seen Misuru Emoto's messages from water books where people think thoughts and make different crystals from, from water and negative thoughts uh, have one effect and, and positive thoughts have a quite different and po positive, beautiful effect. And so yeah. elementals live with this as their reality working with humans. So another good thing about elementals wanting to work with humans, if they're strong enough, and the members of uh, Lloyd's group are strong they are old elementals in their own evolution. So only older elementals are strong enough to, to work with humans, really, because of our thoughts. Yeah, I remember that, talking about how human thoughts are spilling over and really uh, causing either beauty or pain in other dimensions as well, because we don't treat them with any kind of 
responsibility. Our thoughts uh, oftentimes are random and often skew toward the negative. And I remember there was a scene in, in the book, uh, the Pilgrimage with the Leprechauns, your disastrous tour. <laughs> in which the elementals made sure everybody learned to let go of any attachment to outcomes that in one situation in the morning, I think it was, you were meeting with uh, the tour guide, Michael, or you were meeting with someone. Lloyd walked in, turned around and walked out because the person was just too serious. He couldn't take the energy. It wasn't any fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that little scene. So when they talk about our our thoughts spilling over into their dimension, and you said we overpower them. Can you go into that a little bit more so we can start learning and taking more responsibility? So right now, um, humans um, are, we, we can divide ourselves into we're physical beings, we're emotional beings, and we're mental beings. And, um, and our thoughts actually create our emotions, create our actions in the world. Now, we're going to need to learn in this next time that we're entering how to control our emotions and our thoughts so that they are positive and then we'll be creating a wonderful world. Now, elementals have not developed a strong mental body. So they're living in um, the etheric astral world, which is the emotional world. So they're very, in, they're very spontaneous, as in, I like it, I'll do it. Um, and, um, and so they could, of course, get themselves into all sorts of trouble by this attitude of, of oh, I want it now, good. Mr. Yes, very mischievous, and um, and this is a wonderful quality. Um, but uh, working with humans, it can create difficulties, for for sure. And um, in another one of my books, I I talk about hybrids. I don't know if you want to go into. I do want to go there. That's the next question. Actually, that's the next question <laughs> I'm to ask you is where the two merge, and also what they told you about yourself, but in general, because they also mentioned Dylan Thomas and I believe Vincent Van Gogh and a few others uh, you mentioned in your book. Let's talk about elemental human hybrids and what it takes to do yeah. that and the purpose of it. Okay, in, in one of my books, um, Hybrids, So You Think You're Human, I talk about the fact that not all humans are totally the same as in totally we're the same humans and that there is a possibility I offered as a possibility although I think it's a probability that there are at least 22 different kinds of human hybrids now elementals told me Lloyd told me that um, that hum that elementals were able to enter human evolution and that they would uh, be partially elemental, maybe 10 or 15% elemental still, and the rest of them would be human. And this was to bring certain gifts into 
human evolution that we were not as good at and that when they entered human evolution, they usually did it as artists, some kind of artists. And that Vincent van Gogh was, um, was a, an elemental. He was an elf. And this is why his paintings almost move if you've actually seen his real yes. paintings, yes. Um, they are moving. And this is also why he went insane. It's because in the, in the elemental world, the arts are so far ahead of where we're at that, that they can make these, these um, sculpture paintings that are actually moving and interacting. And it's, it's like a hologram, which is actually um, moving, evolving, and interacting. And so he was trying to capture this. And so many of our singers, our actors, our poets have had elemental blood, and there are certain qualities that they bring in. Uh, they may have a predisposition to addictions. Yes, just like the drink, uh, Lloyd. <laughs> yes, and the reason they have a predisposition to this is because they're trying to alter this very boring yes. reality <laughs> that they have entered. And so uh, alcohol, drugs, or sex, they are amoral, not immoral. Amoral means that their ideas of good and bad are not the same as human, which also can get them into trouble in relationships. Yes, I understand what you're saying. And I remember when Lloyd in the book was explaining to you about this amorality, because you had different understandings of how relationship worked at the time. Yes. Yeah. So, so they used to have to do this. And the reason they had entered human evolution was so they could become full creators. Now, Lloyd's group is saying, we don't want to enter human evolution. We want to stay as elementals, but we want to partner with humans. So this way, um, they don't leave their own evolution. So, so, so that's the difference. So, but once, pe once people have entered a different evolution, and I've lived, people look at me often, and they say, oh, she, she's probably one of them. She's probably a, probably uh, called a pixie or something like right, that. Right, exactly, you know. exactly. And <laughs> um and so she must be one of those elemental hybrids she's talking about. Well, actually I'm not as it turns out. So it's very strange that they would have asked someone who is not an elemental hybrid. I am a hybrid, but it's not an elemental. And no, I'm not going to tell you. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but Working we with our secrets, <laughs> <laughs> but working with Lloyd over um, so many years, I have become more elemental, and and I also was able to enter elemental evolution um, in one of my other human lives because I've always been able to slip between dimensions, um, as we talked about earlier, I was able to enter there. And they called me the old wise one. 
And I remember that life. And because I have done things like this for them to help them develop, they trust me. Elementals have always trusted me. Well, I can see why. There seems to be a very natural resonance between you and them. And uh, I, I loved I loved reading about your your experiences together. Uh, Lloyd, now, he told you about another time in his life when he was in association with or had met with one of the people I admire most who has walked this earth, Rudolf Steiner. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about that? Yes. Well, Rudolf Steiner, who was writing, um, oh, a hundred years ago, he is, he is one of the people, probably one of the main people who actually um, created this group with the elementals so that they would learn to work together so that they could then partner with humans. And on my back burner, I do mean, and it keeps on becoming a further back burner with books. I don't know if this happens to you and you think, <laughs> oh, I must interview so-and-so oh, and yes. they get put on the back burner. Well, on the back burner, the next book I'm going to write after my book that comes out on the body elemental is actually Lloyd's autobiography. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fascinating. Yeah, it, it's it's it started, but it's been on the back burner. There's been three books that have come out since I started his autobiography, and he's being incredibly patient. Patient. <laughs> <laughs> now, by the Which way, is a human quality. <laughs> <laughs> he, now, Lloyd, Lloyd isn't his real name, right? I mean, that's right. He has his. They say the name is sacred. You don't just toss your name about to strangers and let them use that frequency as they wish. So how did you come upon the name Lloyd for him? Well, names are sacred. And they so are. many so many people have the wrong name. Yes. And when do. yeah, you've noticed that. Oh, and yes. when people have the wrong name, it's you can never remember their name. I've been and, that and, and for years I'll call them the other name that my being thinks is their actual name, which it isn't. It's so embarrassing. It can go on as long as I, I've known a couple of men in particular, I could not call them the name that they were born with. And you're right. What do they say about this and what should people do? Because I'm a firm believer in changing your name if it doesn't work. I am too. I am too. It's it's because so many people are not aligned spiritually that they cannot hear the name that their child wants to be called. And so this is why Lloyd doesn't want to have anybody know his real name, because then they could call him. Yes. Anytime that they wanted, and he doesn't want to be distracted. He travels in space and time. They Elementals can. In the astral world where they exist, uh, we travel in space and time. And he is going all over the world, helping to form elemental groups, supporting them in their work with humans. And he's doing now the equivalent of the PhD exams with <laughs> elementals um, so that they could work with humans. And so he can't afford to be distracted. 
Yes, mm-hmm. I understand that. I would like to talk about this this term that you use, and I don't know how to say it correctly. I think called the craic, something the craic. It's actually called the crack. The crack. Oh, okay. yes, and I don't want to make that association with that other. No, kind no, I hear you, but crack. let's talk mm-hmm. about the crack and and what it is. Yes. Um, well, the crack in a way is the crack between the worlds. And um, I, I write about it in the second book, Pilgrimage yeah. with the Leprechauns, yeah. because we took, um, or I took, a tour uh, to Ireland of 30 happy people, humans, that wanted to have wonderful, mystical, magical experiences with elementals. And they'd seen too many fairy books and fairy stories, I think. And Lloyd decided to hijack the tour. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> yes, it was terrible. It was terrible. Everyone and, um, you nothing was working out. <laughs> and the Irish have a saying of, oh, let's have some crack, or it was good crack. Well, good crack means it was a good time. Oh, it was magical. It was fun. It was wonderful. Well, we had a lot of crack, but we had some bad crack. So it was magical, all right. But Lloyd was trying to uh, give us an experience of giving up our expectations and attachments to having things our way. So shall I tell the first thing that happened to people when they got on the bus? Please do. So it started right from the beginning. There's this beautiful new bus that pulls up we get on it, and we're now at the airport picking up the second lot of people. And one of the pe- people on our bus goes up to the driver, and I'm sitting right beside the driver, and says, um, could you open the bathroom? I- I'd like to use the bathroom. Can't. Um, why can't you? Don't have the key. <laughs> um, you don't have the key. Um, so that I turn and I say, well, when can you get the key? Can't. If you'd wanted to have the bathroom open, you should have let me know before. <laughs> so here we are, 30 people with this beautiful bus, no bathroom. So we are on the whole tour lining up for bushes, heading into <laughs> you know, parks and looking for trees. When we go to a gas station, there'd be 30 people in a lineup waiting for the one <laughs> toilet it was. And it turned out that the bus driver had a different itinerary from the tour guide, and that was different than my itinerary that I'd sent them. It was an absolute disaster. And people ended up dividing into three groups. One group said, that was fantastic, right? This was really magical. I can't believe everything that happened. A second group said, well, they blamed me. That is the worst tour I've ever been on. How did you do that? Even though I didn't like, you know, eight other tours to Ireland, they'd gone like clockwork. Um, And uh, this was terrible. And then the third group initially started blaming me, but ended up getting it. 
getting it. So that is, and that's what happens with people, like even during COVID, that we, you know, what are our reactions when we are confronted with something we don't want? Do we go into blaming and accusing? Do we accept it and go with it? Or do we come down in the middle? And first of all, we're blaming and accusing, but we switch. Right. Uh, You're right. People fall into one of those three categories. Yeah, and the quicker we can switch over and to start surrendering to what is, the better. Absolutely. You know, Tennis, I know you have an event you're supposed to get to, and I literally, there's so much more I'd like to talk to you about. What I'd like to do is I have not read your hybrid book yet. So how about if I read the hybrid book and invite you back on down the road in another few months' time for a second interview. Would that work for you? It would definitely work for me. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Oh, I have too. And we did a live event for our patrons a couple of weeks ago. And again, things started going wrong. We couldn't get your image up. And uh, then we, I, we wrote back, back and forth to each other. My emails did not arrive. So I'm just grateful we were able to do this this morning before I take off for Guy and you take off on your other journeys here. So thanks for making the time. I just, I can't wait to meet you in the flesh one day. I think that'll happen. Yes, me too. And would you mind if we could could give my website Absolutely. so people could... And Doug, oh, we have an event coming up in October, so besides the books that we talked about. So let's talk about what's coming up in October of 2020, okay? And then um, your site is having a little bit of trouble right now because you were hacked. But anybody watching this right away, just try back uh, in a couple of days, but more so log on. Uh, make sure you sign up for her newsletter because Tannis is going to give all that information to you via a newsletter. So go ahead and tell us which site you'd like people to go to and what's coming up in October. Yes. Well, go to our site for the International Institute for Transformation. It's www iitransform.com and there you can sign up for the newsletter and uh, in September, the very beginning of September, we'll do a newsletter and our, our this particular video is going to be on it yes. and we'll have information about a teleconference I'm going to do uh, with Lloyd uh, for uh, the elementals, nature spirits, how to work with them. There will be lots of meditations and videos and, um, and how to help the earth at this particular time. So that's going to be in October. Is it possible you can give us one little hint before we sign off here as to how we can best start tuning in to their dimension and these beings that are around? Are, first of all, are they around everybody or just in places that are saturated more with nature they're around everyone. Um, you're right that they prefer to be around the places in nature, but that could be a park. That could be walking on along the seashore as well as a forest. So f go to your favorite place in nature. Um, that's one thing. You mentioned earlier to me about taking off our masks and breathing air. Yes, they also don't like depressed people. They don't so like the best people. Yeah. They do. They they like positive people, fun-loving people. So I'm I'm not trying to say to people deny how you're feeling. No, but but snap out of it. 
right? Live, live your life, enjoy the present moment, and find out the wonderful things that are happening. So this helps getting in touch with elementals. And as you said, you feel them. So some people see, some people feel, and some people hear. Go with what works for you. Very good. Tannis, again, thank you for taking the time. I'm glad we worked it out this morning. And uh, we'll go until next time. Thank you again. And then we'll meet again in a few months' time talking about hybrids. Looking forward. So everybody, again, you can go to iitransform.com to find out more about Tannis's work. Be sure to sign up for her newsletter so you know everything going on coming up in, in her world with the elementals. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com. <laughs>